the second half of Galatians 5, we're going to look at what it means to walk in relationship, a living, breathing, active relationship with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Communicating with and learning from God through His Holy Spirit. So, um, the title of our message series is The True Gospel, because throughout the book of Galatians, uh, this letter was written to a group of Christians in the region of Galatia, um, this group of churches that he's just recently started a year or two before this. And there are those that have gotten in there and have started saying, you know what, Jesus on the cross and everything, that's awesome. But, you know, you still have to be circumcised and you still have to obey the Mosaic law, eat kosher and all those things. So Jesus is not quite enough. And this makes Paul very angry or perturbed. I don't know if angry is the right word. Because he was, you know, we talk about this these past few weeks. He was Hebrew of Hebrews. So if anybody had a right to boast, it was Paul. And he's saying, no, all of that, like he said in Philippians, is garbage. Now, it's not that, it's not that you can't uh, worship through some of those things as far as some of the traditions and some of the ceremonies and all those things. I was in a, a Jewish synagogue not too long ago, and I sat there and I saw the Ten Commandments over there. I was just worshiping God for his, for, his, for his word that he's reached out to us and all those things. It's not that. It's when you say that God's love for me, my relationship with him, is based on my good works, my religious works or or anything like that, aside from Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And so that's what Paul has been talking about here. And he gets to this place right here where he's talking about the Holy Spirit, right? Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. We did the first 15 uh, verses last week. So we'll pick up in verse 16 this morning. And it says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. See, he's addressing what he's been talking about throughout this letter. That it's, you're not under the law anymore. You've been freed from your slavery, we talked about last week, through The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you've been given the Holy Spirit. He says, um, now, in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning. We ask you to to speak to us through the Word. Change us. Bring conviction where conviction is necessary. Encouragement. Challenge us. Lead us and guide us this morning, Holy Spirit. Nothing I have to say is clever enough to make an eternal difference this morning. But Holy Spirit, you speaking 
to each of our hearts makes all the difference in the world. So speak and may we be doers and not hearers only in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the Holy Spirit. What or who is the Holy Spirit, right? Typically, we come to Galatians chapter 5, and it's basically we come to the second half of the chapter, and it's this, this list, right? This list um, of the fruit of the Spirit. Didn't some of you learn songs? I probably started reading that. And if you learned a song when you were growing up in Sunday school or something, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. You don't do that anymore? Okay, yeah, they do, yeah, yeah. And that's typically what we think of. Let's just get out this list, the fruit of the Spirit, and memorize it. It's awesome. And that's great, and it's true. There is uh, a list here of things. But without understanding really who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, we're limited in our understanding, right, of what it means to walk in this relationship, this victory over our narcissism, this victory over our flesh, and what it means to bear this fruit. Now, what we're talking about this morning is not salvation. We're talking about walking in the Spirit as a believer, It's true, the Holy Spirit leads us, draws us to the Father. That's what Scripture tells us. But we're talking about walking and growing through the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we talk about the Holy Spirit as some kind of mystical thing that we're like, you know, we relegate it to Sunday morning in the worship service. It's like either the Spirit was there, yes, I felt the Spirit this morning, or no, I did not feel the Spirit this morning. But that's... True that the Holy Spirit is in our midst, the Holy Spirit is speaking and is moving, but it's so much greater. So who is the Holy Spirit? The first thing I want us to look at is that the Holy Spirit is a person, right? He's a he. In John 16, verses 7 through 15, it says this. Jesus said this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive me from me what he will make known to you. In eight verses right here, Jesus calls the Spirit him or he 13 times. But listen, I'm, oftentimes, especially in today's culture, the first thing we want to think about and talk about and argue about is God's gender or the gender of the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you, drop it, because that's not his point here, number one. I do believe when the Bible says he, it's for a reason, and when the Bible says she, it's for a reason. His point here is not the gender of the Holy Spirit. His point here is the Spirit is a person. The Spirit is speaking, and Satan would, no, would like nothing more for us to get in a corner and argue about these other things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of eternity. What he's saying here is the Holy Spirit is a gift, the Holy Spirit is a person, and he is coming to you, right? He communicates with you. He hears you. He speaks 
to you. The Holy Spirit is not an it. And that may not seem like a, a big deal, just semantics, but when we simply think of the Spirit as a thing, we miss that the Spirit is God Himself. He's personal. He's hearing and thinking. He's living and moving, listening, caring and loving you. So when we call on him, we talk to him, we interact with him in a relationship. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I said before that he is God, right? Now you may have heard of the Trinity, right? Let's talk about the Trinity for a second. I won't, I won't get stuck in the weeds here, I promise. I hope not. It's another scary topic for a lot of believers, right? And it's one of the issues some of my Jewish friends have with the idea of Jesus and this idea of the Trinity because, see, according to the Hebrew Scriptures in Deuteronomy, um, in the mezuzah, a lot of times they'll put this from Deuteronomy. Um, You'll see it, if you see a little, I'm not sure if you see it in Montgomery a whole lot, but here in our apartment buildings, you'll see outside of a Jewish neighbor, they'll have like a little box Uh, on their doorpost and that's got this scripture in it and they'll touch it or pray over it or all those things uh, any of those things and it's got Deuteronomy chapter 6 in it and part of it it starts out like this hear O Israel the Lord is our God the Lord is one that's a big deal right and it is true we agree and I try to communicate that to my friends that yes we agree God is one there's none above him there's none beside him he doesn't share his throne no one even close Jesus actually quoted the Shema this passage of scripture when he spoke in the temple in Jerusalem right but in him the Godhead on the throne is three the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit we see it throughout scriptures Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament scriptures. Jesus said in John 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, right? So Jesus is making a big claim there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit, God, uh, God, 126, Genesis 126 It says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. There is scriptural evidence all throughout the Bible for the triune God. He is one. But the Godhead exists in three. There's no good sufficient illustration or analogy. I'm sure you've probably heard a bunch, ice, an egg, all kinds of stuff. There's There's not a good one. So welcome to the beautiful, mind-bending wonder of the Trinity. It makes your brain cramp a little bit trying to understand it. But the good news is this. When I was first 30-something, well, before that, growing in my faith as a Christian, the doctrine of the Trinity was so confusing, right? But after years of study, I went went to Bible college, I went to seminary and all those things, it still hurts my brain. It's still a God thing. It's still something that... God's ways are higher than our ways, right? But it's clear in Scripture that God is the Father, God is Spirit, and God is the Son. And so, we say the the Holy Spirit is a person, right? He is a God, but He's also a gift to us. John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus said this, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. 
You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. And in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit is a gift, Christian. This morning, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a gift from the Father, the very presence of God in our everyday lives, working and moving in us. I will not leave you as orphans. See, the disciples were worried because Jesus kept talking about leaving. And he encouraged him several times. Listen, although physically I will not be here, I will be here through my spirit. And Jesus said we should know him. We should know the spirit. And so herein lies this relationship. Herein lies this influence. And really, all of this has been the intro. Good news, right? He is working in your life this morning. And he's working in my life. So how in this passage do we see the Spirit work? First of all, the Spirit works in you, in me. He said in verse 16 through 18 there, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But here's the key. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does it mean to be led? I remember, I remember when I was a youth pastor back in South Alabama, and we used to have these lock-ins. Oh, another thing that I, I'm scared of. Lock-ins, where you, you get in church and you stay up all night with the students. <laughs> I'm not trying to give you any ideas, man. Don't, don't do that. Um, but we used to play all kinds of games, and we come, we came, they came up with this one game where you had two teams, and one person is blindfolded, and then you have like a race, and they have to get to a certain thing and do a certain thing, and your team is on the sidelines, and both of you are going blindfolded, and they're screaming at you directions as you go so that you can get there and get the thing and win, right? I hated that game. Something about, I think because my, I had an older brother who beat up on me as a kid, so I was always waiting to get punched in the face or something. So I had this blindfold on and I was just like, I would barely even move because I didn't trust anybody, right? It was miserable. But I was allowing them to lead me, kind of. To allow the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit means I give up my control. I give up leading myself, right? And I allow the Spirit to lead. It's like a dance and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us instead of us leading ourselves. See, the Holy Spirit was given as a gift to be with us and to lead us. So, how does the Spirit lead? In a couple ways. Number one, He changes my desires. Inside, He makes a change in me. He's influencing and replacing my old desires with the desires of Jesus, with the desires of the Father. Ezekiel 36, 27 says this, And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, the one way in which the spirit leads us is our desires. You know, there's other parts of this passage we're going to get to that are a reflection, an outward reflection, but first it starts within us. He changes my want to. That's what my dad used to say all the time when I would complain because I wasn't getting what I wanted. You're like, well, you need to change your want to because this ain't changing. You ain't getting it. The Holy Spirit changes our want to, right? And this is a process. This is part of the process of sanctification in your life and in mine. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul tells us that the work of sanctification or transforming me is the work of the Holy Spirit in me. That's what he does. He begins to weed out the old and start replacing it with the new, the desires of God rather than my old desires. Another way the Holy Spirit sanctifies me, transforms you and I, is transforms us into the image of Jesus. And he does part of that by conviction of sin, right? He convicts us of sin. We begin to, to see a new type of conscious, conscience at work within me. Jesus said in John 16, 8, And when he has come, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. See, the Holy Spirit will not leave you alone. As a believer, the Holy Spirit is not going to leave you alone. He continually speaks to you, continually drawing you, guiding you away from temptation, away from sin. Not necessarily temptation, but sin. And He will not leave you alone. And ultimately, that causes many to live in misery. But it is a gift. It's like pain, right? It's pain alerting my body to danger. The Holy Spirit within you and within me convicts of sin. It convicts, begins to help me to see things a little bit differently. I remember my own life when God got a hold of my life and started to change me and started this process in me. It was gradual, but it was little by little. There was plenty to change. But little by little, God, the Holy Spirit, God through the Holy Spirit, began to put my desires in line with His desires. The other, not the other way around. Oftentimes we spend all of our time trying to get God to see things our way. He, he sees it every way and knows the best way, and He's in a process. It's a gift of helping us, drawing us to His way. Because we see in this passage, our way is destruction. So um, there's evidence in us that our desires are changing. That should continue in you. That should be continuing in you. Sometimes we think of that just as conversion, like, oh, okay, now, yes, I'm a Christian. I want to do Christian things. I want to go to church. No, no, no. It's at the deepest level in our hearts, our attitudes. So the Holy Spirit is transforming us, is working in us, right? He's also uh, changing our desires. He's also pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus in your heart and in your mind. John, t- John 14, 26. Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So listen, when you're studying scripture, when you're in the word, the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus. I remember my dad, I would get in other parts of the Bible and I'd say, I don't, I'm not really, I don't know how this fits like with the gospel. He, he always said, test everything with the words of Jesus. Go back to what Jesus says. Use, use his words as as." The test case. Everything else, it's not that anything is in conflict with that, but that has to be the beginning place. And the Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of the words of Jesus, pointing me to Christ, reminding me of His teaching, reminding me of His life, His way. But He he appoints to Jesus in another very critical way. Jesus um, Jesus is described as an advocate. Right? For you and for me. Which means to support, to stand for, to defend. That word is used a lot today, right? I'm an advocate for whatever, this group, that group, this person, that person. Or we see it in legal, in legal proceedings as well. But Jesus 
is the OG of advocates, right? He is our advocate, your advocate and mine. First John 2 says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Romans 8.34, Paul said this, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. Listen, this is happening. He's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father as an advocate for you and for me. You know, when I, I knew this passage of Scripture as a, as a young man, and I used to imagine this scene um, before with Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding for me, just kind of Jesus saying, okay, okay, Father, I know Steve messed up again. Give him a break. He's got issues, you know. Look where he came from. I mean, he's, he's trying. He'll get there. We're working on him. Just, just give, him, give him a break. But that's not the truth of what's happening. The truth of what's happening is it's more like a courtroom, courtroom, and Jesus is presenting evidence that he is our advocate. He's presenting the blood that he shed on the cross. He's our defense attorney and the evidence. He's not begging or groveling the Father for you. He's not making excuses for us. He's making a case based on justice. Before the Father, you and I are pure as followers of Christ, those who have trusted Jesus with our sin and with our lives. He is our king, and he has covered our sin. Jesus lays out the gospel before the Father. He represents justice before God because he's paid the price for our sin. His blood on the cross is powerful. It's final, and yes, it's by and because of God's grace. It's official, sufficient to redeem us from all condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. So what does this mean in John 14? I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Another advocate. So wait, Jesus is our advocate before the Father. He's making the case. He has purchased justice. This word... um, Advocate, like I said, uh, represents standing for, defending, representing us before who? If Jesus is before the Father, who is the Holy Spirit representing us before? Our own hearts. The Holy Spirit is representing us in our own hearts. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, listen, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That word testifies means bear witness. It's like the star or decisive witness in a trial. See, there's a trial going on in your hearts and in your flesh this morning. You have the Spirit on one hand, that's convicting us of sin. It's telling us we're, we are a sinner. That we have sin and daily when we commit sin, the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction. And so he's helping us to see when we're blind to our own sin. Because our hearts want to tell us we're okay. I don't sin anymore. I don't do anything. It's not that big of a deal. So the Holy Spirit is there bringing conviction. But on the other hand, the Spirit is 
defending us from condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That's settled on the cross. That's settled before the Father. But your heart and my heart tries to condemn me constantly. It tries to let me off the hook part of the time, and then it tries to bring condemnation part of the time. You'll never live up. If the people in this room knew the real you, you are you're a liar. You're a hypocrite. The Holy Spirit is defending us, is reminding us of what Jesus said. He's testifying to us. He's encouraging us. Listen, our hearts are messed up. Our hearts want to want to make excuses on one hand and they want to wants to give up on the other hand. Jesus came to remove all the condemnation and he's given us his spirit. That spirit of encouragement, that spirit of truth who's speaking to our Hearts, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things, but the Holy Spirit works in the heart. He's working within us, encouraging us, pointing us to Jesus. Listen, the Father has made provision for all of that. And Jesus, our advocate, stands between us and condemnation for today and forever. That'll never change. And the Holy Spirit stands between us and our own hearts, communicating with us, counseling us in the deepest places. So the Spirit is doing all of that in us, right? Changing our desires, pointing us to Christ, defending and representing us. Listen, I can, I can tell you this morning. The man standing before you is not the same man a few years ago. God has done a miracle by His Spirit working in me. Little at a time. You wouldn't recognize me if you saw me several years ago. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the blood of the cross that's broken those chains on me, God has rescued me and slowly has begun to transform me. And I am so far from getting there. I'm still, my heart is still at war within me oftentimes in this broken world, in my fallen, broken body. But the Holy Spirit is in a process in me. And he's in you, moving. He wants to make changes within you. And that's a gift. And it's a messy process. Listen, I can look back through my life through the years. And it's a mess. I mean, the Holy Spirit within me just pulling things out and me fighting about them and wanting to keep this and that. And it's not easy. It reminds me, I was thinking about this. It reminds me of my son and I, my oldest son, Stephen, his Jeep was having issues, so I said, let's just go for it. Let's get out YouTube and just tear it apart. So we overhauled the motor out in the garage. We totally tore it apart. There was stuff everywhere. And every time we'd have to take lots of breaks, it took, it took us forever. I'd look out the back window, and it would just stress me out because there was stuff everywhere. I didn't, I didn't know where everything was going to go. Honestly, it was YouTube. Seriously, we were looking at YouTube. It was a mess, and that's that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life and in your life, what he wants to do is do that hard work, that work deep within my bones, deep within my heart, my desires, those battles that are going on within me. The good news is we got that Jeep back together, right? The bad news is he blew the motor a month later, but that's a lot like us. But the good news is Jesus doesn't let go. Jesus doesn't let that motor be blown. He's purchased us. And the Holy Spirit never leaves us. Okay, so the Spirit works in us, but the Spirit also works through us. In verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Charles Spurgeon said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. See, the fruit of uh, the work my son and I did on that Jeep was it lasted another month, right? And was broke again. But the fruit of the Spirit moving in my life is God. The evidence of God in me. The evidence of Jesus in me to my friends and neighbors, to my co-workers and family. The Spirit produces Himself. The Spirit looks like the Father. Sometimes I catch myself sounding like my dad. I don't know if any of you are a little bit older and like I never thought that would be a thing. But especially when I get mad, it's like I'll, I'll catch myself saying something like my dad or kind of making a facial expression like my dad. I mean, he is my dad. But I thought, you know, no, that's not going to happen. Listen, as children of the Most High God, our Heavenly Father, His attributes, number one, are all good. Right? We see a small list of them there. All loving, caring. Produces joy, gentleness, self-control. And we should begin to look like our Father. Take that list sometimes. Sometime. How are you doing on that list? That fruit. What does that fruit look like in your life? Because He's given us this to kind, of, to kind of use as a mirror in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Does that describe you? Gentleness, self-control. I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm... How about this? Ask the person that's closest to you in your life. Ask your spouse or your best friend or your parents. I know we dismiss them, but no, ask them. What, the, what do they see? What do the people that are closest to you that see, even beyond yourself, you're not a good judge of yourself. I think I'm pretty loving. Ask someone close to you. Do I reflect the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ in my life? Or do I reflect the flesh? You want to know where your faith is? Take an inventory. Now, none of us are perfect, right? But there should be some evidence in our lives that we are being transformed. Otherwise, we are making a mess. You may say, well, you know, I'm not walking in the Spirit necessarily. I'm not sure, but I'm doing okay. No, you are making a mess and you don't realize it. When we live according to our flesh, we produce flesh. Death, destruction, pain, shame. If you're really serious about walking in the Spirit, growing in your faith, look into the weak cracks in your heart. Who do you struggle with? Who do you struggle with loving? What are you giving into? What do you compromise on? Press into those things. That should be a matter of prayer, constantly asking the Spirit to increase. Remember John the Baptist said, He must increase, I must decrease. That should be our prayer each day. Because walking in my flesh is just going to bring pain and hurt. But walking in the Spirit produces Christ in me. 
So he works in us. The Spirit works through us. And finally, the Spirit works with us. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. There's a part for you in this process. There's a part for me in this process. Keeping in step. I told you last week we just came back. My son, my oldest son, joined the United States Air Force. And it was awesome to go and watch him graduate from basic training. And I remember marching down that same bombing run. And, but it's funny because as I watched them, I, was ve- I found myself being very critical like of their marching. It's like, wait, there's one guy. There's one guy who's bouncing a little bit. You know? There's somebody that's just a little bit off. Of course, I was the guide on. I was the guy in front that carried the flag, so you had to be extra on. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of work. I remember we used to spend hours out on the tarmac just marching, and there'd be one guy who couldn't get it, right? He couldn't. He was bouncing or couldn't quite get it, and so we'd all have to stand at attention with sweat dripping down while he got his steps right and tried to work on uh, getting in step. We are called to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Listen, where do you go for advice? Where do you go for guidance? How about the eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, loving God who knit you together in your mother's womb and knows all the days of your life before you even were? The Spirit of God is speaking. The Spirit of God is findable in your life, right? He speaks in a few ways, through the Word of God, Ephesians 6.17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The thing the Spirit uses to cut up and to make adjustments and to trim and all those things and to fight in our hearts and lives is the Word of God. He speaks through the Scriptures. Are you spending time in Scripture? Is Is that a priority in your day? Do you spend as much time in Scripture as you do doing this? Isn't that funny? Everybody knows what that is. It's Instagram if you don't. I barely know. So he speaks through the word. He also speaks through prayer. How much time do you spend in prayer? I know a lot of times we think prayer is just me giving a list to God. But it's, number one, it's listening, right? But it's also adjusting. When I approach God in prayer, I'm adjusting my perspective from the things of the world to the things of God. I'm fixing my eyes on him, even if just for a few moments and so in those times, the Holy Spirit will speak to you if you're sensitive, if you're listening. Ephesians 6 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. And then finally, in obedience. To actually keep in step with, to actually obey the Spirit as He leads. The Spirit is working. He's not waiting on us. He's proactive. The question is, am I listening? He's, he's working this morning. As you're sitting here in this message, if nothing I say, every time I read a passage of Scripture, he's speaking. What's he saying to you? Is he leading me? The Bible talks of, uh, uses a couple words, quenching and grieving the Spirit. Grieving the Spirit. In Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That word grieve means to make sorrowful. This is another sign pointing to the Holy Spirit is a person. He can be offended. 
It breaks the heart of the spirit when we disobey and go our own way. Because God knows what's best for you. God sees what's coming in your life. He sees what's coming in your career, in your relationships. He sees and he's working through his spirit. So he is sorrowful when we turn to our own logic. You also, scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19, also talks about quenching the spirit. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Quench, that word means to extinguish, to deny or to disobey him, to ignore the spirit in my life, to live life as if there is no Holy Spirit speaking to me. I got Jesus. I got heaven. That's it. I'm done. We're quenching the spirit. All these things, all this work that the spirit is attempting to do in your heart and your life. We extinguish him. We extinguish his power. And we do that by not walking with him. We say, I'll check in with you at the next worship service or when I'm listening to Christian music or something. And what happens is when we, when we ignore the Holy Spirit, and listen, this morning you may be sitting there going, yeah, I, I hear everything you're saying, but I just don't quite get it. I don't know how to plug into the Holy Spirit. Okay, right now or even as we finish, just say a simple prayer. God, Speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, you can speak to the Holy Spirit in prayer. Awaken me. Awaken my heart. I want to know your will. I want to be sensitive to your voice. Help me. He honors and answers that prayer. Listen, if you expect to live in habitual, unconfessed sin, becoming callous to the Holy Spirit who seeks to to convict of sin and tell us, hey, Not that, not this way, this way. This is what pleases the Father. We can't expect to have this intimate, powerful relationship with Christ. Displaying fruit and enjoying the blessing of that. We're going to be in this fight our whole lives. Fighting my flesh, fighting my anger, fighting my jealousy, fighting my envy. My life will be filled with just destructive habits. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you. That's good news today. He doesn't punish you. God doesn't love you less, but he will allow you to reap the consequences of your sin. I have a friend, a really good friend this past week who's miserable. He called me. He's miserable because of a choice that he made that he knew was wrong, was the wrong choice, was offensive to God, and he made it anyway. And now he's saying, Steve, is, is, I'm miserable. I think about David, remember in the 51st Psalm, he says, my bones ache. Many of us are going through life like that. That's not how we were meant to live life. We've been freed not to go back to that slavery of my flesh and myself. And there's a warning to Christians here right at the very end of this passage in verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Paul knows what's going on in this church. He knows what... Our flesh is defaulted to, and he knows that believers are not beyond this temptation, are not beyond this influence of the flesh. Because he says here that the flesh produces division, depression, confusion. It destroys, verse 19, says the flesh produces strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. He was saying, you know, the 
the works of the flesh are like orgies and all these other things. And I thought, wow, okay, that's not me. Then he starts getting jealousy, anger, dissensions, divisions. Uh Uh-oh. He's talking about all of us. The flesh is in opposition to God. In verse 21, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So listen, the fruit serves as both a blessing and a warning, he says here. A blessing in that it produces wonderful things, right? He transforms us into the image of Jesus. Who even much of the unbelieving world, they'll think, of, they think about Jesus. You talk about Jesus as somebody out on the street, and they're like, oh yeah, he was a great guy. I mean, he was wonderful. I've had people tell me, he was wonderful. Not God, but I mean, he was, did beautiful things. So he's transforming us into that wonderful person in our everyday lives, right? But there's also a warning here that if your life is reflecting the flesh and not the Spirit of God, if you're not being transformed, if division and strife and dissensions and jealousy follow you all around, if you're one of those people that says, man, seems like everybody I come in contact with I have problems with. What is wrong with the world? If that follows you around, that's the flesh. Then you have every reason to question whether or not your old self has been crucified with Christ, which is what Scripture tells us. Galatians 2.20, Paul said at the beginning of this book, <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Listen, I, I pray for you this morning, for all of us, that we would grasp who the Holy Spirit is. Because otherwise you're just buying time in life. You're not really living an abundant life. You're not living a joyful life. You're living according to the flesh. When according to the flesh means, you know what, I want it, I get it. I'm hungry, I eat. I itch, I scratch. Whatever I want, I do. If you are good for me, I put you in my life. If you're not good for me, I put you out. I think this job is better than that job. I think this person is better than that person. I think this church is better than that church. You just make decisions based on your flesh. And what the Bible says is that's going to be a mess. You're going to walk in a mess and your, your faith is going to be cold. Walk in the Spirit. What a, what a beautiful gift we have in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different. And I, I hope I don't mess this up because I, I didn't write down the chords. But I wrote a song years ago when God, when I was in Bible college. And I had just, God had just brought me through a period of time where he got a hold of my life. And he began to transform me. And I was studying this passage of scripture. And I started to just study about the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and somebody said that very thing to me. You want to know how the Spirit is functioning in your life? Ask somebody who's closest to you. And what do they, what do they see? And so this song just kind of came in my head. It's a very simple chorus, and I'm just going to play it for you. I'll, I'll teach you just the chorus, and then maybe we'll, we'll end with singing. It's very simple. But I found myself just walking around singing this song in my heart and my mind, and I hope this will be your prayer today. This will be our prayer, that there will be more of Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit evident in my life and less of me. Less of my flesh, less of Steve, because I know what Steve produces. I spent years and years and years doing that, and I trust God's word. And so may, may this be our prayer as well this morning. So um, I did write the words down, <laughs> and I kept saying, you know what? I'm going to practice it when I get to church.
and then we had some issues. kind of sing through it once and if you when you feel like you, you're getting it you can sing along but let me make sure I have the right chord sorry checking the chords as orphans. God, we're not on this journey alone. Um, Lord, thank you that you're speaking to us, that you care for us. God, I am amazed over and over again that I spend seasons of my life running as hard as I can away from you, even times when I don't recognize it or realize it. And Lord, still your spirit is drawing me. Still I hear your voice whispering to me. And God, just thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit working in me, working in us today, working through us. Lord God, may we, may we measure our lives against your word, against the fruit, the evidence that you've said uh, is your spirit. 
And Lord, help us to recognize that you work with us, Holy Spirit. You work in our lives and through our lives and with us. And may we be active. May we be an active participant, spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer. And then as you speak, to step out in faith that others might see Christ in us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.